before we start the show, I want to say thank you, patriots, conservative patriot nation. We thank all of you patriots that listen to us, that join our podcast shows. And if you don't know where that's at, if you join our telegram group, Conservative Patriot Nation Network. You can join the live chat when we do the interviews, and you can also indulge in Q&A. I'm just going to give a quick message on teams that we have teamed up with, and the podcast will play shortly. Z-Stack, zstack.com, Dr. Zelenko has made one of the best powerful all-in-one pill Z-Stack, that is an immune booster that'll fight against any bioweapon. And he also created Detox, which will help the vaccinated individuals boost their immune system and take some of that stuff out of them. And if you use promo code CPN, you'll get 5% off. And then we teamed up with MyPillow.com, Mike Lindell, a very great American patriot that is fighting for the freedoms of Americans and the world because where America goes, the world goes. So if you can go to mypillow.com and support Mike Lindell while he fights the fight and he's putting a lot of his own hard earned money into the fight, and you can use promo code CPNN and get 66% off of your purchase. And that's CPNN for my pillow, and it's CPN for Z Stack. And enjoy the show. God bless you all. God bless America. God bless Dr. Zelenko, and God bless Mike Lindell. Welcome to Conservative Patriot Nation, new members and returning members. Today we have two special guests investigative journalists. They have Intel briefings with the generals and Scott B. Wells and Mary Fanning. Many of you may know she was on absolute proof with Mike Lindell. And tonight we have two special investigative journalists and we'll be going into some very important things. And I would like to present Alan Jones and Mary Fanning. Thank you for joining us. Mike, it's very nice to be with you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. So to to give the audience a little brief background of you guys, can you guys uh, give them a little brief background on how you got started and a little bit about yourselves? Sure. Um, I actually started with General Valley and pulled together the uh, Coalition of Concerned Citizens and journalists that we would write in concert in order to um, outdo the um, Obama journal list where they were bringing um, mockingbird media falsehoods to the American people. And so we came together and started bringing the truth out, uh, working in concert. Um, I write and still do at the AmericanReport.org. Alan and I met and we started doing a couple investigations together and worked really well together. And I will tell you, Um, We broke open um, so many stories together, and I I will tell you, as we did, Alan and I often say in concert, as we come across information, we work very hard to find the information that we do, uh, but we often say in concert, hand of God. And uh, so Alan and I broke uh, several big stories on uh, Port Canaveral and Gulf Tainer and the Obama administration bringing in Gulf Tainer 
who, as we looked into Gulf Tainer, we found not only were they from the Middle East, but that the business uh, brother and business partner of the Gulf Tainer, of Gulf Tainer's owner was Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar, who was Saddam Hussein's nuclear mastermind. This man was on the blacklist wanted for capture or kill, yet the family company was given a 35-year lease to Port Canaveral uh, to the cargo container operations without the required CFIUS review or national security threat analysis. So uh, as we continued looking, we found that indeed Gulf Tainer had gone into a joint venture with Rostec Rosoborn Export, a Russian company that exports the Trojan horse weapon system known as the Club K, that once inside the wire can launch in this country biological, chemical, nuclear weapons, uh, an EMP or a standard payload. So as we began unpacking that story, and it was uh, several years worth of um, exposing that, I began also working with um, Admiral Ace Lines, Admiral James Ace Lines, four-star admiral, one-time head of the Pacific Command. He became very concerned with what we were exposing. And um, because Admiral Lines is, is the head of the Pacific Command, is a four-star admiral, well knew because he also had access to all top intelligence. And so he understood how dangerous what was taking place under the Obama-Biden administration. And so he actually began echo chambering, and of course, a fine, fine man, always with attribution, our work. And so um, from there, Alan and I went and we began exposing what is known as the hammer. And the hammer is a super surveillance system that uh, under the Obama administration, John Brennan and James Clapper illegally commandeered this, this foreign surveillance tool and turned it on this country. So this was most disturbing because now you have the CIA, who has no charter, taking control of a super surveillance system that was put in place after 9-11 to track and catch terrorists. So they instead turned it on this country. Well, as time went on, Alan and I found, uh, initially we found out of Judge G. Murray Snow's courtroom, he released some tapes. Uh, no one was ever to know that those tapes existed or that Mike Zullo had taped uh, people unbeknownst to them. And so those tapes were dropped out of, as I said, federal Judge G. Murray Snow's courtroom. But as time went on, we found out that one of the applications that works off of the hammer, uh, the super surveillance system that Brennan and Clapper moved to Fort Washington, Maryland, so that it was under just their control. Uh, we then found out that one of the apps was something known as Scorecard. Scorecard is an application. It's a prismatic scoring algorithm that steals the vote at the transfer points. So as the vote is being uh, transferred from the Secretary of State's office into the vote vault, the vote is being um, accessed and stolen and changed. Initially, this was used to uh, manage votes so that they weren't stolen in other countries, and then it was turned on this country. So um, Alan and I uh, started working together, but I also did several things. Um, and uh, Alan was gone for a period of time, I'll put it that way. And um, there's a story to that that I'll let Alan tell. And um, I, so I began working some of our data 
um, we needed to get to President Trump. And Mike Lindell carried that data to the Oval Office. And that was supposed to be where people did not know what was taking place. And we were bringing the data of the stolen election and how China had accessed the election in an act of cyber warfare. What happened then was as Mike was walking into the Oval Office and uh, he had to wait for a minute, and it's not typical that you have to go outside the Oval Office into the Rose Garden. Maybe Mike is the only one that, that walked out and stood out in the Rose Garden, but the Washington Post used a camera where they, um, they looked at some papers in Mike's hands. That was really the papers that were on top. But from there, it went into a, you know, a feeding frenzy with the Mockingbird media. But Mike delivered the data um, to President Trump showing how the election was stolen and that China had indeed infiltrated this. So now this had blown up into the news and uh, we, what we did was at that point, Mike and I decided to make some movies and get these documentaries to the American people to understand what took place. What we were able to do is we, the first movie uh, that we did was absolute proof. And I brought forward subject matter experts. Um, we actually brought forward 12 that had firsthand evidence. So these are people that were firsthand involvement, not secondhand, that they had the proof and the data that showed that the elections were stolen. And so we used six of those people, um, including myself then, uh, and we filmed and made the movie, the documentary, Absolute Proof. That documentary went viral. We had, uh, and the, I think the first month, 175 million people watched it. Another 39 million across the globe downloaded it. Um, if you've ever heard of something called Pirate's Bay. Then we had OAN came and they ran it four times a day for four days straight. And then Steve Bannon and Mike went on OAN and they ran it again and, walk, and walked through it and, and spoke to it. So after we did um, Absolute Proof, we moved into the series and we did Scientific Proof, uh, Absolute Interference, Absolute Nine Zero, and then uh, Absolute Peril. And Absolute Peril was with the generals and Colonel Sellen where we told about unrestricted warfare and the um, war that China is waging on this country. So uh, at that point, Alan and I also, with General McEnany, General Vallely, Colonel Sellen, and several others, um, we began making uh, a weekly and bi-weekly, the fortnight intelligence briefing, which has since become the intelligence briefing, where every Saturday night on the Salem Radio Network with John B. Wells, we have the intelligence briefing on ARC Midnight. We often have other intelligence briefings during the week. And this goes out over Salem Radio, the Salem Radio Network, OpsLens, Roku, and Apple TV. Wow. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Um, I was listening to an interview you did with uh, Mary and... I didn't realize how Obama and Biden was tied to the containers and the ports. It is disturbing. It is beyond disturbing. So it, 
when when we understood and um Alan is particularly good in understanding all weapon systems, et cetera. And when we understood that uh, once these cargo containers, these Trojan horse cargo, cargo containers known as the Club K were inside the wire, that meant that they were inside and they were beyond our radar. Our radar points north and east. So if you bring these cargo containers, then uh, they can launch on us without our ability to stop it. The the Club K cargo containers have caliber missiles that it, it opens via satellite. They have a 10-year shelf life. So once in our country, and only remember one-tenth of one percent of the cargo containers that are come into the country are hand-checked. So you don't know what's in that cargo container, Dr. Joseph King. Um, who is an expert and was in charge of New York uh, to keep things like this out. Um, some of our papers, which, by the way, you can find at theamericanreport.org and also at the American Report Telegram. And uh, several papers are at the Center for Security Policy, The Perfect Storm. And, and um, so understanding that they knew that, that, that there was no way that they didn't know. In fact, Badr Jafar one of the principal family members visited the White House six weeks before they gave them this this 35-year uh, cargo container lease at Port Canaveral. Amazingly, it is a thousand feet from our turning basin for our Trident nuclear submarines. So it's hard to believe with Badr Jafar visiting the White House six weeks before and that they put through the secret project Pelican deal, which should have had not only the CFIUS review, uh, not only the national security threat analysis, but also it should have had um, an investigation and it should have had, a, uh, under the Florida law, it should not have gone through without it being um, exposed and then equal opportunity bidding for the lease for these cargo container operations. From there, Joe Biden, who was setting the table for all this with Tiger Grants, so from there, he gave them not only the cargo container operations at, at the port of Wilmington, but the entire port of Wilmington for 50 years, a 50-year lease with no national security threat analysis, with no CFIUS review, nothing. Don't know if I lost you. Yeah, that's... That's pretty scary. Um, Should be. That's pretty scary. I was listening, and what was it? Saddam Hussein's brother-in-law is like in charge of that stuff too, and they just allow it to happen. Uh, Saddam Hussein's um, son-in-law. Um, Alan and I read many, many books, and we're in touch with many uh, people who were involved, especially out of Iraq. What had taken place in Iraq, and who these people were. And um, this was Saddam Hussein's nuclear mastermind. But he also had oversight over those who had the biological weapons program and the chemical weapons program. We, we found, um, looking into CIA documents that were released, um, talking with other people who were um, in and had very high level government 
uh, positions, that they knew that the Spetsnaz had moved some of this stuff out in an attempt to hide it as, as we were going into that country. And they found that there were, um, uh, I think it's 46 sorties of plane loads of um, weaponry that the, that the Soviets or the Russians had moved into uh, Syria, but also into Iran. And then there were co convoys of trucks moving these weapons out and other things were found that um, those who had been involved in national security um, let us know how very dangerous this was. So it, the American people were not being told about what had taken place in Iraq, and they're still not being told what took place. But what is um, most concerning is that a man who the Pentagon put on the blacklist, so that meant he was wanted for capture or kill. That's Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar, Saddam Hussein's nuclear mastermind. So this man is his brother and business partner, was given a 35-year lease to Port Canaveral. And Port Canaveral is there, right there at NASA. And in fact, if Alan is listening, I'll let him jump in and explain all the, the many things that are at NASA so that I'm not the only one sitting here talking. Okay, thanks, Mary, for that excellent uh, introduction to who Gulf Tainer is. So let's just extrapolate a little bit more. So Gulf Tainer was established in 1976 and it's owned by the Jafar family. So they're a very wealthy Iraqi family that's been involved in the oil business for decades. And they operated not just out of Iraq, but also they set up operations in the United Arab Emirates and a city called Sharjah, which is sort of a sister city or suburb of Dubai. And um, they've had a long relationship with Russia and with the Soviets and with Iran in the oil and gas business, both natural gas, um, crude oil for petroleum. And they so they started in 1976. So that would have been around the Carter era, Kissinger era. And they got into not just oil, but also, and they had some drilling concessions uh, off the UAE area, but they also suddenly started this intermodal cargo container ports management company called Gulf Tainer. So for those that don't know what intermodal containers are, you've seen them everywhere. These are the shipping containers that you see on trains, tractor trailers, and on ships, okay? And so this is how the trade around the world moves, whether it's from China or the United States or anywhere else. So the containers have always been risky. They're convenient but they're also risky because it's an easy way to move illicit cargo around the world, whether you're talking um, narcotics or human smuggling or weapons of mass destruction or precursor chemicals and equipment that you need to build nuclear weapons and other weapons of mass destruction. Now the UAE has a terrible track record of trafficking in nuclear weapons materials and related materials that you would need to build centrifuges and nuclear bombs. And if some of you remember, a lot of the financial transactions that happened in the run up to the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001 actually went through the United Arab Emirates and several of the terrorists 
were actually connected to the UAE, most of them to the Saudis. By the way, Gulf Tanner has been working with the Saudis for a very long time as well. Now, when Port Canaveral, which is a port located on the east coast of Florida, so that's on the Atlantic Ocean, so it's about an hour east of Orlando. Um, when they decided that they were going to have a intermodal shipping container company come in and operate, they did that as a no-bid lease, okay? So it was sort of done under the table. In fact, it was very under the table. And who did they bring in? They brought in the worst, most dangerous company they could have found on the planet. You really couldn't have picked a worse company for national security reasons to come in to one of the most sensitive national security ports. Why is Port Canaveral sensitive for national security? Well, as Mary mentioned, it's adjacent to NASA's Kennedy Space Center and all these historic launch pads where the Apollo missions to the moon were launched and where the space shuttle program was launched. And so this is like the heartbeat of America's space program. I mean, Johnson Center is important too, and NASA has some other important facilities, but Kennedy Space Center is really the, the most important. And not just for the civilian NASA space program, but for military missile testing. A lot of our uh, important strategic missiles have been developed there, whether it was the Minuteman missiles or the Pershing missiles that we positioned in Europe to um, provide deterrence against the Soviets, you know, between NATO and the, and the Soviets. And so you've also got a turning basin there for the Ohio-class boomer submarines. So these are the submarines that carry our nuclear arsenal, and they can launch those sub submarine launch ballistic missiles. They do testing there. Uh, Lockheed Martin is involved in the program of testing the Trident. Uh, we're now on, I think, the D, the D series of Trident missiles. So those are actually tested. They do the shakedowns of the submarines there. So it's a very sensitive area. You've also got right there in the middle of all this, actually, the, the submarine program actually is a tenant on what used to be called Canaveral Air Force Station. It's now been renamed since President Trump created the US Space Force. It's now been renamed Canaveral Space Force Station. So that's right there. And Gulf Tainer set up their container terminal operation literally about a thousand feet from the submarine turning basin. So they're neighbors. These are our most sensitive submarines that are supposed to protect us from Russia and from China and other adversaries. And so they quietly come in and out of the port. And so you have Gulf Tainer in a position to monitor them and watch them. So how did Gulf Tainer get into Port Canaveral? Well, they ran a secret operation called Project Pelican. Nobody knew about it. It wasn't publicized until the deal was announced. So you have Gulf Tainer, which is run by the Jafar family. The head of Gulf Tainer is Hamid Dia Jafar. So he's been involved in the oil business through his company Crescent Petroleum and the Crescent Group, which is the parent company of Gulf Tainer and Crescent Petroleum. They're out of Sharjah, UAE. Now, now, his brother was Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar, who was the head of Saddam Hussein's nuclear program, as Mary mentioned. So he's considered the father of Iraq's nuclear weapons program. And I know that the media 
told us over and over again that there were no WMDs of the nuclear variety in Iraq. And that's the evidence really, really kind of puts that to rest that that's not the case, that, that Iraq had a very sophisticated and advanced nuclear weapons program. And we spent a lot of time studying that and looking for obscure documents and books. So Dr. Jafar basically developed the equivalent of the Manhattan Project for Iraq. So this was like a nationwide secret operation to build the Arab bomb because Saddam really wanted to create a pan-Arab regional powerhouse in the Middle East, okay? And in fact, secretly they had developed something called the Islamic Bloc that involved the Soviet Union. The Soviets had a man named Yevgeny Primakov. Now he was a KGB guy. His nickname was the bear in the desert. And he basically pulled together all these Arab nations into a fervor and convinced them that the United States and Israel were the mortal enemies of the Arab world. And he provided technical assistance to Dr. Jafar's program, both in developing their nuclear weapons and also with removing the nuclear weapons in 2003 on the verge of the US invasion, Operation Iraqi Freedom. So the Jafars were working with the Russians for a very long time, but the program was massive. There were nuclear facilities all over the country in Iraq. So we're talking about missile manufacturing programs. We're talking about underground uranium enrichment programs. Dr. Jafar actually created basically an identical model, a recreation of the Oak Ridge uranium enrichment facility that was used in Tennessee during the Manhattan Project, where we were actually developing weapons grade uranium to use in the bombs that were used in Japan in 1945. So that technology, that may seem like it's old, but obviously it's effective. And Dr. Jafar was a brilliant nuclear physicist. In fact, he still is. He studied in uh, the University of Birmingham in England, but also in the Soviet Union to learn all about fission and how to create nuclear weapons. So he developed this very sophisticated, massive program with tens of thousands of scientists and technicians working in secret underground bases with assistance from the Soviet Union. He was basically um, like the top Middle East expert on nuclear weapons. He worked some, he was approached by the Pakistanis. Uh, he had very close connections to the Soviet Union. So he wasn't really even on the radar of the US for a while, but by the time we went into Iraq, he was considered so dangerous that he was placed on Operation Iraqi Freedoms um, blacklist, okay? So this was a top secret list that was distributed through CENTCOM, which is based in Tampa, but through all their uh, commanders who were in the, in the theater in the Middle East to look for this guy, Dr. Jafar. So he was considered one of Saddam's top regime officials and scientific advisor. He was Saddam's scientific advisor on nuclear uh, matters, okay? And they actually found during Operation Iraqi Freedom some cassette tapes, I believe they were cassette tapes, they were audio tapes that the Iraqi government had recorded of Dr. 
Jafar and other members of Saddam Hussein's cabinet. And so these are actual recordings of the cabinet. In one of them, Saddam talks about a nuclear weapon detonating in Washington, D.C. And in his sort of twisted way, he sort of laughs it off and says, of course, it'll be a terrorist. They won't be able to track it back to us, which is sort of classic terrorist operation where they try to hide if it's actually state sponsored, they try to hide where it came from. So one of the books that we read actually discussed that Saddam and Dr. Jafar had actually built a weapon called the beach ball, which is a miniaturized nuclear weapon and that they intended to use it actually during the Gulf War, both in Kuwait close enough to be able to um, strike US Navy ships in the Persian Gulf, either directly with kinetic energy or with a fallout of radioactive fallout. And then also in the port of Haifa. But you put these guys that in the recording, Dr. Jafar in one of the Saddam tapes, he said that he had built underground facilities near electric generation plants. So another thing he did was he built, he rebuilt a lot of Iraq's electric generation, generation plants. But they actually secretly ran uranium enrichment facilities underground for his bombs. So then, as Mary mentioned, we discovered that Gulf Caner actually went into a joint venture with Rostec, which is uh, Russia's and Putin's uh, state-owned military technology company. They have a wholly-owned division called Rossovoran Export, which exports the Club K. So that's a intermodal container that will launch four caliber missiles. These are cruise missiles that can go uh, supersonic and they can carry nuclear payloads as well as conventional chemical biologicals. So right now, if you look at the situation that just happened in Ukraine, the Russians just lost the Moskva. That was a missile cruiser, the pride of Russia's Black Sea fleet. So they're very upset right now. They've got a bloody nose. They've, this is the biggest loss of a naval ship since World War II. Now the Club K is contain, container missile launching system is capable of sinking an aircraft carrier. It's been called in uh, by military experts and like uh, uh, Jane's, for example, Jane's defense as a aircraft carrier killer. They can strike our submarine ports. Uh, they wrote a defense paper called uh, talking about Pearl Harbor version two. We, we wrote an article called Pearl Harbor 2.0 that we published uh, at the Center for Security Policy talking about this exact scenario that the Russians actually laid out. We translated that from Russian into English. So they have the potential now that Russia's just lost one of their biggest Navy ships. They have the potential with these container missiles systems, which Gulf Tainer potentially has already smuggled into the United States to strike us back hit our military bases, hit our submarine bases, hit our aircraft carriers. So this was courtesy of the Obama administration with Vice President Biden. And that's what we're looking at right now. In fact, one of the interesting things that we ran across as we uh, started looking into the story, it was, uh, you must understand how shocking it was, particularly after the Dubai Ports World deal um, what a debacle that was in the investigation and that they walked back that deal and said you couldn't have it. Well, so then we started looking into this and when we found they came out of the Middle East, 
and we found that this was Saddam Hussein's nuclear mastermind, we also found that the family was at Davos and they were crowing about how they were taking U.S. ports. So, so under Obama, you have them at Davos crowing that they're taking our ports. Then they secretly put through this secret Project Pelican deal. Now, the first thing that happened was that they went into the port of Jacksonville, which is right a stone's throw from our, uh, our military base where the mainstay of our Trident nuclear submarines are. And they went into that base in the port of Jacksonville and they paid $250,000 under the table to people at the ports to be the secret silent partner to take over cargo uh, container operations. So this is just a stone's throw from Kings Bay. Imagine that, right where all of our nuclear submarine East Coast base is. And they, they paid $250 million under the table, $250 million under the table to take control of the port of Jacksonville cargo container operations. If someone goes in and they're lying about who they are, and they're secretly paying someone off $250 million, you can pretty much assume that they're up to no, no good. And no good they were. You also need to understand Dr. Jafar Dia Jafar. He had worked at CERN. It's very important that he was at CERN at one point. He was kicked out of CERN because they said he was stealing data and he was not to be trusted. So the fact that that took place and he was already looked at as a liability. So that was his history. And if you think that our government doesn't know exactly his history and that he was involved in, I'm sure people have heard of the oil for super weapons debacle um, that was exposed. And that was what his brother was in with uh, Mark Rich and others. And so he was looking to secretly come inside the United States in a deal um, where his brother Hamid Jafar, so he was also under investigation by, by our country, um, by three congressional committees and the Treasury Department. And so when they found out that he was trying to sell oil secretly here in order to fund his brother and Saddam Hussein's super weapons program, that was closed down. But it, the fact is, is that his brother Hamid, the president of Gulf Tainer, and also, as it turns out, then later the Abraj Group, which is the bit, biggest, largest Middle Eastern hedge fund that collapsed as some of this was being exposed. Uh, you understand that these people mean no good and they're getting inside the wire. And uh, what became very disturbing to us is when we started looking into their history. And we came across a book by Northcutt Eli, and he had been the attorney that was working with uh, Hamid Dia Jafar when they were setting up the UAE. And uh, Northcutt Eli, in his book, talked about Hamid Dia Jafar and that this was the family, the Jafars. When he went into Iran with them, they were treated like royalty. Well, as, as Northcutt Eli told, indeed they were royalty. In fact, they were the royal family of Iran from 1785 to 1925. 1785 to 1925, the Jafar family was part of the, was the royal family out of Iran until they were kicked out and they, and they ran for Iraq. But there they simply took over and became very close. And, uh, and as I said, they began working with 
uh, Saddam. But historically, they were interesting because when they went in, into Iraq and people understand um, who the Qajar, the Jafars were the Qajar dynasty of Iran. When we understood who the Qajar dynasty was and who the Jafars were, and then we understood that they were the Ba'athists of the Middle East, the Ba'athists of Iraq, they were also the same people who ran the Farhud. The Farhud was a historical event that, that uh, was a precursor to Hitler killing the Jews in Germany. And the Farhud took place going after the Jews in Baghdad and in Iraq. So this was very disturbing because now you have this family who is the royal family of Iran. Uh, then you're looking at that they were involved in uh, such criminal activities as the Ba'athists, basically the Nazis of the Middle East, and they were involved in the Farhud. Uh, and so it's quite stunning, knowing the family's history, that they would bring them into the United States and give them port leases without the benefit of, of the required national security threat analysis and uh, also um, there were there's another piece to that at the same time that they did not need to uh, th the same exact time that they come in and they do not get this CFIUS review the very same time is when the uranium one deal is going through now let your 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 um, start imagining who this is this nuclear mastermind who's involved in making miniaturized nuclear weapons known as beach ball. And at the same time, they put through the uranium one deal, the uranium one deal. So they're selling our uranium. Robert Mueller brings over a sample to Moscow. And beyond that, you must understand that when they're selling our uranium, and by the way, the Jafars were involved in that. So you're giving a nuclear mastermind some of our uranium, which gives them the ability to make nuclear weapons that have our own nuclear signature. So should we get hit by that nuclear weapon, it has our own nuclear signature on it. This all becomes much more disturbing, particularly when you're seeing what's taking place today with the Nazis in the Ukraine and understanding who the Jafars were of the Qajar dynasty and the Farhud and the Ba'athists of the Middle East, working with Russia and the Soviets before that, working with their top agent, Yevgeny Primakov, who was helping them to put together this entire weapon system. And they're working not only in concert with the Soviet Union and Russia, but before that, they're, uh, and they're going into these deals but they're also working with the man known as the scariest man in Russia, Igor Sechin, Igor Sechin. So Igor Sechin is known as Russia's Darth Vader. And he's the one that uh, Hamid Diajafar and the Crescent Petroleum deal with Rosneft was with Igor Sechin. So all of this is coming full circle. And this is most disturbing because now they have our uranium our uranium signature, and just so you know, we're told that they do not have our uranium signature, uh, or excuse me, we do not have Russia's nor China's uranium signature. 
So why would the Obama Biden administration give this to the to the enemy? And at the same time, you really need to look at what's taking place right now and why did Joe Biden, the same man that that put all the tiger grants together, why would he have um, why is he giving the Nord Stream to that President Trump said absolutely not to Germany? Why would he let them provide a large percentage of their fuel, their oil, their energy to Germany? Because after all, Lenin was very clear when he said, he who owns the light bulb implements communism. So now Russia is providing energy to Germany. Uh, keep in mind that the first thing Barack Obama did when he came into office was remove our tanks the first time ever since World War II from Germany. Also understand that Angela Merkel, her parents were the head of the uh, Communist Party, very much involved in East Germany. Angela Merkel was also longtime good friends with Vladimir Putin. Why would we hand over the Crimea out of Ukraine to Russia? Why would Joe Biden close down the Nord Stream 2 Keystone Pipeline? Why would he cut off our fuel? And then yet we're buying a billion dollars a day now of, of oil from Russia. Why are we filling their coffers when it looks like they're setting the table for World War III? Why is all of this taking place? Well, is it because Joe Biden is a longtime communist? Well, yes, he is. Barack Obama, he certainly appears like it. His mentor uh, was on the um, FBI's uh, list as a uh, foreign asset working for the Soviet Union, Frank Marshall Davis being Barack Obama's uh, mentor. So it looks as though the table is being set to, to set up the American uh, America for our destruction with Barack Obama and everything that Joe Biden has put in place. Nothing that they have done makes sense. The idea that they turned over Afghanistan with $87 billion worth of armaments, the amount of armaments is stunning. Uh, to, to arm, so remember, they weren't just really arming uh, the Taliban that who was who moved into our strategic air base within a week that would be china so what we're watching is them take care of the enemy they're arming the enemy against this country uh the american people paid for those weapon systems and the idea that we handed over 42,000 tactical vehicles, 20, think how much one Humvee costs. They handed over 22,000 Humvees, 9,000 uh, medium tactical vehicles, 1,000 recovery vehicles, another 928 mine resistant vehicles, plus 189 armored tanks. That's nearly 600,000 US weapons now in the hands of the Taliban. The Taliban, you know, who General Milley said are our new allies, not so much. So we're looking at 358,000 rifles handed to the Taliban, 126,000 pistols, 64,000 machine guns, 25,000 grenade launchers, 12,000 shotguns, 9,800 RPGs, and 2,606 howitzers, howitzers. Who would ever imagine that anyone out of our own military would leave a stockpile of weapons behind for the Taliban. Oh, and by the way, what was the next thing they did? Well, then they were sending over, uh, so we've been told, 200,000 people into the United States.
from uh, Afghanistan. Only thing is, they said they were our translators. Problem was that none of them spoke English. We had to get translators for the supposed translators as they were bringing these people into the United States of America. So the things that the Obama-Biden administration put in place, not to mention open borders, and we are told that the numbers are far exceeding uh, 2,600,000 in the last year. While that's what's reported, we're talking to, and we've had on multiple times, uh, colonels who have worked at our border and are working to and seeing what's coming over. And it is closer to 14 million. So and this is important for the American people to understand what the Biden and Obama administration put in place and how this country is being set up. Uh, not in your wildest dreams could you have imagined that they would open our borders, be bringing people over from, now we're hearing that, that uh, it's, it's more, far worse than Haiti and everyone from South America. But look at, look at the pictures of who's coming over our southern border. They're all military age men. So it's time for the American people to wake up very, very quickly. Because as Richard Grinnell told us, this is Washington, D.C., at war with the American people. And not only did, did what Alan and I expose um, uh, in the absolute series of films, but also with Hammer and Scorecard. And General McInerney went on air, Admiral Lyons went with him. He brought our uh, first breaking piece on Hammer. And then General McInerney did on Scorecard, six days before the election, we told how the election was going to be stolen and which states exactly would be stolen. We do not have a crystal ball. We were correct. The only state that wasn't stolen is because people in our cyber command got to Florida and stopped what was going to take place. And so uh, understand that foundational to everything that's taking place before President Trump left office, we had roaring economy. We did not have this insane, um, the destruction of the dollar, the destruction of the petrodollar with the idiot deals that Joe Biden has done in his administration, where now Russia is bringing out their gold-backed currency, as is China. And also other countries are fleeing the petrodollar because they're concerned with what Joe Biden is doing on the global stage. So uh, right now we are looking at people from inside our own country who helped to steal an election. I'll tell you, Dennis Montgomery, the CIA whistleblower, he came forward and he said that this was going to be stolen. He worked with Cyber Command. They captured China coming into our election. All of that data has been preserved. And if you want to know who's on the other side, I'll tell you how you can tell. Go watch who attacks us. Go watch who attacks General McInerney. General McInerney was at one time in charge of our, our nuclear weapons. General McInerney is standing to, for his oath to the U.S. Constitution. So all that little cabal that comes out to attack him, now you know who the enemy inside the wire is. So I suggest uh, they either shut up and put up or they're exposing themselves as the traitor class. But every bit of information that we've pulled out has been proven. And what you should understand is that the night that Admiral Lyons and General McInerney went on the airwaves with Dr. Dave Janda and read our piece verbatim 
uh, showing that President Trump was being spied upon. You're now seeing that come to fruition. How are you seeing that come to fruition? Well, with John Durham, and now he's exposing the people that were working with Hillary, how they were setting up this whole Russia, Russia, Russia collusion delusion. But beyond that, the very next day that General McInerney went out on terrestrial airwaves and read our piece, the very next morning at 9 a.m., James Comey with Peter Strzok before Congress launched the Russia collusion investigation, an entire hoax which they lied about for four years, which seems to me adds up to a coup d'etat. Alan? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just after General McInerney completed his interview where he presented our paper on the hammer and Dennis Montgomery and the fact that that one of the recordings and the whistleblower tapes revealed that President Trump had been wiretapped a zillion times. That immediately after that program, text messages were being exchanged between Peter Strzok and his lover, and that they were actually appeared to be concerned because they actually mentioned Dennis Montgomery in that in that text message. Okay, and then they launched. You know, the Comey announces the FBI has started this investigation into President Trump's alleged connections to the Kremlin, which as we know was a work of fiction, along with the Steele dossier, which was basically a cheap spy novel, a work of fiction. But also circling back, not to sound like Saki here, but when we broke the big story about Dr. Jafar, and Gulf Tainer and revealed that Port Canaveral had been taken over by senior elements of Saddam Hussein's nuclear weapons program. The very next day, a reporter named Michael Isakoff, who is a senior correspondent for Yahoo News, then he conveniently drops a story in which he says that his senior US intelligence sources have revealed that Carter Page who he paints as being, you know, a member of Trump's cabinet had actually gone over to Russia to meet with none other than Igor Sechin, who we just talked to you about Igor Sechin being known as Russia's Darth Vader, the scariest person on earth, who was working closely with Hamid Diajafar, the brother of Dr. Jafar Diajafar in oil deals between the Crescent Group's Crescent Petroleum and Rosneft. And he then, because we had basically just connected Barack Obama and the Clintons, who are very close to the Jafars, through Gulf Tainer and Crescent to, to Sechin, to Igor Sechin, who, by the way, came up basically together with Putin through the St. Petersburg, Russia mayor's office. That's how Putin sort of transitioned from being a KGB agent operating in East Germany working with Astasi, who, by the way, Astasi agent currently runs uh, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, but that they basically tried to flip the narrative because it would appear that they panicked after Mary and I exposed the connections between the Clintons, Gulf Tainer, Barack Obama, and Joe Biden to Igor Sechin and the Jafars. So what do they do? They have 
this story come out from Isakoff connecting Carter Page to Sachin. And then they actually, the FBI ended up using that Yahoo News article in their applications for a FISA warrant to spy. And they started spying on President Trump's cabinet. Well, that's awesome. Really, really mind-blowing things to where, you know, um, the average American, you know, I, I really hope this this show reaches a lot of them because, you know, the average American, like my brother is, he's one of the hardworking guys, one of the hardest working guys that I know, and he puts in so much overtime and he's enjoying sports and just distracted with life and not even realize he's, you know, we're all funding our own. We're funding the bullets that are pointed right towards us, which I really appreciate you guys shedding light on that. I mean, it's, it's really mind blowing. And, and you're talking about the containers and, you know, we've seen the containers that's been getting like stopped throughout our ports and, and many people were speculating and, Hearing what I'm hearing, I'm just wondering, you know, if our military stopped those containers to to, to make sure that there wasn't nothing life-threatening coming to us, do, do you guys have any, like, um, information on that? Because, like, the containers that were being stopped around the coast there? Well, we were told by Joseph King, who, after 9-11, he actually launched the Department of Homeland Security's New York City office. And what his job was, was to make sure that a WMD didn't get into the New York metropolitan area. That's a big job right after 9-11, basically make sure nuclear, chemical, or biological weapons don't get into the greater New York City area. But we had some conversations with him and he advised us that most containers that come into U.S. ports of entry, including seaports and borders, are not hand-checked. And so that leaves basically scanning devices, et cetera, which our adversaries obviously are very sophisticated in trying to circumvent that kind of technology. In fact, only one-tenth of one percent are hand-checked. One-tenth of one percent are hand-checked. And those were being checked by Hutchison Wampoa. That is the Chinese. Wow. Um, I also bring you back to Dennis Montgomery. A lot of people like to come out and attack him, but there's evidence which is in court documents, which is very provable. Um, one, Judge Richard Leone took Dennis Montgomery's testimony and he secured it with the IG of the intelligence community. You don't give the testimony and the electronic data, the 47 hard drives, to the IG of the IC unless it's very important information. Montgomery went before um, the FBI and the DOJ. He gave 47 hard drives. Those hard drives were verified. He received one immunity agreement for that. Then the second immunity agreement, after everything was verified, and that was August of 2015, and then December of 2015. And in December of 2015, he testified before the FBI in the Washington, D.C. field office GIF for three hours, over three hours, 
and they gave him a second immunity agreement. If he had lied or not told the complete truth, he would not have received immunity. Instead, he would be in prison. He is not in prison. Beyond that, James Baker, FBI general counsel, went before two closed committees in Congress, and he testified when he was asked on the second day, in order to avoid a perjury trap, he said he needed to change his testimony because he had forgotten that he had taken testimony and electronic data from a whistleblower who told that Trump was being spied upon, and he named the whistleblower as Dennis Montgomery before two congressional committees. So Judge Richard Leone in court documents tells about Dennis Montgomery. FBI General Counsel James Baker, who has now turned state's evidence, is working with Durham, told about Dennis Montgomery. Magistrate Cook told about Dennis Montgomery. Judge Pro told about Dennis Montgomery. And so for those who come out and attack him, there's evidence, hard legal evidence, not to mention his two immunity agreements, which he would not have received if he were lying. And then those who come out and lie about him told that they were working for others who had been in the CIA. Well, he's definitely over the target. Because whenever someone's uh, doing something of good, you know, you're over the target when they're trying to hamper your truth. And I'm sure you guys are over the target as well. You know, they don't want us. They don't. They don't want the people to know the truth. You know, there's. I, I believe it was Jefferson. And he goes. Uh, the quote it says, uh, "A people that is not informed will create." a society of ignorance, you know, and, and we were definitely at that moment. And I'm honored to have two investigative journalists like yourself to, to join us and give this knowledge and information to the people, because this is what's going to get us by. And I, I know I sound like a broken record, but it, it, it's true, you know, and I try to preach that a lot. No. I hope that we have a lot of people praying because we definitely need it. And and on this Good Friday, for those of you that are Christian, I hope we are all gathered in prayer. Uh, we, We understand what Jesus did for us. And I hope that we are up to the grace of his children, that we are standing shoulder to shoulder because we must protect our freedom and our Christian country, our God-given Christian country. And it's time for us to stand together. So I'd like to ask you guys, um, back to the containers, there's one container that we see that's stuck in the Delaware. Do do you think that uh, that might be something nefarious? I never think anything without proof. So I don't know. Yeah, it's we've been seeing it's been stuck in that water and it's just like, what's going on there? (laughs) For any of your listeners that would like to learn more about our writings about the hammer, Dennis Montgomery and his case, you can go to Amazon and find our book. The hammer is the key to the coup. It's available on Kindle and, uh, Pretty much everything we've written about Dennis Montgomery up to late 2020 is in that book. 
Awesome. And guys, if you guys want to join the American Report Telegram channel, I put it on the bottom of the wall. They, Mary and Alan, they dropped their intel briefing with the generals and Scott B. Wells. It's very informative information. Um, I highly suggest everybody to check that out. It's very important. And uh, closing out, Mary and Alan, is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners? Um, anything about your your website or how to follow you guys or some important things on hope? You know, because whenever we have God in our hearts and, and Jesus on our minds and we we talk to them, we have hope, you know, and, and there's a lot of Americans that are losing that right now. Well, yeah, there, there, there's a lot to be very, very, very concerned about. Um, one, the stolen election is foundational to what is taking place in our country. Klaus Schwab and those that he is working with are beyond disturbing. You know, I don't use the word lightly, but I believe they are demonic. I have never seen anything like this. Mr. Harari says that we need to move to transhumanism and uh, uh, that we need to have bio, um, I, biometrics installed in, in people in order to control them. This is not anything that anyone in this country would ever support. Um, we have fought wars for freedom for others. We, are, we cannot just simply let, let this country go into that long, dark night where we will not have the ability um, to ever get our freedom back again. But we also owe it to the next generation, to our children and our children's children. So it is a very important time. This is, you know, an incredible point in history, but it's also up to each one of us to stand shoulder to shoulder. And if ever you were going to do the right thing in life, the time is now. We cannot let uh, a, this is a communist takeover of the United States of America. So, and, and you understand that because everything looks upside down and inside out and nothing makes sense. And it's, they want it that way. So I, I beg my fellow Americans to stand with us and to take back America. Amen. Alan, do you have any words for, for the members before we go into Q&A? Yes. Uh, at the end of our book, The Hammer is the Key to the Coup, your readers will and listeners will find a chapter called Clues Unlock Obama ID Mystery, FBI Soviet Spy Files, Sabood Cult, and a Dead Body. So in that, uh, we connect the history of Barack Obama, connecting him to the Soviet Silver Master spy ring, that was, you know, operating for decades, going way back to the 1940s. So Soviet espionage is very intertwined with the history of Barack Obama and with uh, Deliana Fuddy, also uh, Loretta Fuddy. She's the one who actually released the Obama birth certificate. She was the director of health in Hawaii. So there's a lot of information there. And we look forward to questions. Awesome. And, uh, I definitely would love to bring you guys back on again. And that being said, questions all yours. Mary and Alan, thank you so much. This has been very informative. And it sounds like we could have had so many more thousands and millions of Americans 
killed and we were very blessed. Um, Joby, you're up. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so this is um, Mike Lindell went to the White House to see Trump and to give him the information that he had. Um, was, did Trump act on it that you know of? Mary, do you want to take that? Yes, I'm sorry, I was on mute. So yes, we know exactly what happened. I'd gotten the information to President Trump through another avenue as well, because we, we like to uh, secure information the best we can to make sure it gets there. Mike got in and uh, I will tell you what happened was we first gave the information to Mike. There, there were multiple White House uh, people who worked with President Trump that they called and we went through uh, all of the data with each one with each one for over an hour each. And then the data was brought to the to the Oval Office. When the data was brought in, the Praetorian Guard that was standing around Trump, they're like, oh, this isn't true. That's not true. There's no such thing as hammer. Well, I suggest they go and look at Judge Richard Leone and go and listen to the whistleblower tapes that people were not supposed to know about, or go and look at um, Judge Pro and, and Magistrate Cook and the evidence being put with the IC of the IG, Charles McCullough, or Montgomery's testimony uh, before the FBI and the department, the DOD, uh, Deborah Curtis and FBI general counsel, James Baker, and the two special agents that went down to pick up that data. So there's evidence, all of this, but then you had people around Trump. Uh, he went with documents to also remove Montgomery's state secrets privilege and government protective order, which is a government muzzle, so he may not speak. They said, well, come on out and Mike, and you can sit down with some attorneys. People were sitting there and, and they, they tried to challenge Mike. Mike went out to have the, the documents worked on for the president to sign, and they never let him back in. So uh, from that point on, uh, that's when Mike came out and we started making the series of movies, the absolute series. Um, so that people would understand um, the truth of what took place. Because again, they're not hearing the truth from the mainstream mockingbird media. And you understand that in terms of the smith Munt Act of 1948, where it was illegal to use propaganda and lie to the American people. Yet in 2012, Barack Obama had the smith Munt Modernization Act, making it legal for the mainstream media to use propaganda and lie to the American people, which is I suggest what you're watching today. Um, what happened to Sidney Powell's, um, you know, when she brought out the hammer and scorecard info? Well, she did not have the same body of data. And so I'm not sure exactly how she did, but the, at the point that she started to bring it out, then she started getting attacked. And uh, I think it was... Um, devastating what they were doing. Then, of course, they started playing lawfare, where they were suing her for millions and millions of dollars. Then they had to, they had to raise money to try to fight back. So um, that is still ongoing. I think um, Sydney actually got very sick, and she looks like she's making a comeback to some degree. 
Um, but the one who had the information, and if you've you've heard um, people coming and attacking, and Mike Lindell has come and said, keep it up, keep it up, and I'll run stories about you every day on Frank's speech because every single piece of information that Mary Fanning and Dennis Montgomery brought me has been verified. And if you keep it up, I'll start using Frank's speech to fry you. And he will. Thank you. Ron Joe, you're up. Hi, I just wanted to say that I've been following you guys for a couple of years now, and I think you're fabulous. And I do highly recommend that you go to their websites and read the Center for Security Policy and the American Report, and do read their papers because they they have their links and they'll link out to a video and it's just phenomenal information. So um, I did want to ask if you have anything that you're working on now that we have to look forward to. Yes, we generally present a piece um, every week on the Fortnite intelligence briefing and we bring information on. So on the Fortnite Intel, excuse me, it's now the intelligence briefing because we're doing it every Saturday night and some nights during the week as well. So General McInerney and uh, Colonel Lawrence Sellen and General Vallely, and then we often bring on a, another guest like uh, Gordon Chang or um, Archbishop Vigano. Um, so we often bring pieces out that we break on this on the uh, the intelligence briefing. We put together the um, the shows and and the guests to to bring information forward because really the intelligence briefing is meant to bring information to make a, an end run around the mainstream media. And John V. Wells is an extraordinary patriot. So we all work in concert to bring this information to the American people. As I said, we bring information out on those Saturday nights as well. Thanks for that, because um, that's new information for me. I was um, world, uh, world View weekend, kind of, you know, Sunday nights every Sunday night for two years. <laughs> oh, okay. So, well, we, yeah. Thank we, you. We, thank you. We thank started, you. There, we started there, and I'll and tell I'll you, because John B. Wells has such a large platform on the Salem radio network, and because they kept taking down, you know, websites, and uh, John B., we started working with John B. Wells, and that way um, the information that we bring forward with General McInerney, General Vallely, it goes over the Salem radio network. We have a vast audience. Um, and beyond that um, broadcast, it also live streams over Apple TV, Roku, Opslens, uh, YouTube Live, among other live streaming networks. So um, what we did was with purpose to really get to the American people. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for following our work. Um, you probably saw that Claire Lopez was presenting all of our papers on the ports at the intelligence briefings, and so uh, she um, got behind all of our work, and um, in fact, she thought it was just the most extraordinary work and calls us the best researcher she's ever seen. So um, I you might be able to... <laughs> 
<laughs> that's very nice. Thank you. But you know what? We're here for one purpose, and that's to save our country. Thank you for that question. Derek Crosby, you're up next. And if anyone else has a question, please push the button um, to ask a question, and we'll call on you in your order. Derek Crosby. So, uh, Derek, if you press the middle button, which is blue, I'll mute your mic and you can ask your question. Okay. Does anyone else have a question? Um, we'll go to Miss America. And again, if you have a question, just raise your hand. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Well, first off, Mary and Alan, thank you so much for being here with us. There's a million questions I would love to ask, but I think the most important question is, is you know, this, this whole thing has been going on for so long and it runs so many, almost thousands of feet, miles deep. What can the average American do to win our country back on these lines because it's so corrupt? Well, the first thing you have to do is get involved. And General Flynn has been going out, General McInerney, General Vallely. Um, these are your you know, white hat generals, but they're not the only ones. We have the STARS group of generals. We have Flag Officers for America. I think there are another 300 generals. We have so many who don't understand and do not approve of what they're doing to our military and this and critical race theory, which I'm sure you all understand is communist race theory. And so what's being done to our country is they're attempting to divide it because a divided country uh, is much easier to take over. So they need the American people fighting among themselves as they take our country and our freedom. And if you look and you're seeing what is happening in Shanghai, this, this COVID, China lockdown, the takeover, where they've locked their people in for weeks and they're starving and you're seeing them jumping out of windows and everything else and taking their pets and killing them. If we don't stand up to what is taking place right now, we are going into that long, dark night. So the best way to stand up is to get involved, get your friends involved. You know, whether you're a, you know, getting out there and doing this digitally or showing up at uh, a peaceful protest or calling, remind them who they work for. They work for us. And also, I suggest you look at some of the things that are happening with these people from January 6th. Has anyone ever seen anything like this before? So while you had Black Lives Matter and Antifa burning cities, and they had the audacity to stand in front of the TV screens and saying, well, this is just a peaceful protest. And, you know, cops were being... Um, killed, their cars burned, how many hundreds ended up in the hospitals. And so that is not a peaceful protest. And so when people say that's a peaceful protest, then turn them off, turn them off and turn them off permanently. If that's what CNN is going to feed that kind of propaganda, then they don't deserve to come into your home. Those are lies. And so 
as I say, get involved, bring your friends, get involved with your friends, because truly this is incrementalism. And as this continues, and, and right now you're hearing about you know, not just the inflation and how much this is costing, the loss of jobs, uh, the logistics, uh, food not being delivered, f- food not being grown. This is very dangerous. You, we cannot let this go on. We can, and again, um, the foundation to all of this is the stolen election. Not many Americans are so dense that they didn't notice when Donald Trump was showing up to give a speech. He had so many people inside, it was packed, every venue, and at least twice that amount were outside. Conversely, when we saw Joe Biden show up on the campaign trial, trail when he did come out of his basement, and even with um, Barack Obama, he had 14 people in hula hoops, you know, sitting on the ground around him. That was it. So if anyone in their right mind thinks that the one guy couldn't, you know, uh, attract more than 14 people, and then the other one had twice as many outside the venue as inside, and that this election was stolen, those pieces of information are being gathered right now. In absolute interference, we presented a lot of information. Uh, we showed how they were using Alcatel TCL flip phones, and those were 4G Wi-Fi hotspots. And then that data was collected, in some cases, with a Raspberry Pi. They showed China in an act of cyber warfare coming in and flipping votes. Um, if any of you have listened to some of the people that presented the information, Uh, They were using a pool of motor voters so that when people would come in um, and if they had already used their vote, they would go to their no-ink pads and check and they'd say, whoops, we didn't expect this person who never voted before to to show up. So then they quickly, they could change the vote or take another out of the pool of motor voters. Um, So this was quite an operation. And uh, the algorithm that has been proven is to exactly what they used. They show them stealing the votes. But beyond that, there are many other things. There were the drop boxes where they were taking backpacks from nursing homes with the happy face people that were working for Stacey Abrams in Georgia. Then they were delivering those um, nursing home votes to drop boxes late at night, right before the last point when they were closing down. That was happening in mass. You're seeing that from Catherine Engelbrecht now going into that data. But again, the biggest was the cyber data with China stealing the election. How did China steal that election? Well, when Montgomery and his immunity agreements handed over the source code to scorecard, he put an electronic identifier on it, an electronic identifier, so that if anyone ever used that source code, because this is very, very uh, top secret information, SAP, special access programs, he put an electronic identifier on it. And sure enough, it was on the on the scorecard uh, that was coming into this country from China stealing the election. And he has represented a lot of that information in absolute proof, absolute interference, absolute 9-0. You can see some of that in the cyber command people as well as I presented a segment of that. So uh, that is proof. Now the pressure has to come because of the attorney generals and the and the governors and those who should be coming forward and saying, yeah, we do have the proof of the stolen election. We have in Cobb County in Georgia, there's 9,000 votes missing from tabulator tapes. There's no tabulator tapes. There's memory cards that are written over and missing. Uh, there are ballots that are being um, brought in. 
Pennsylvania, the same thing. There are so many anomalies, not to mention in Arizona, the administrator codes were not even given to the people that were supposed to run the audit. And they finally had to get that from one of the voting machine companies. So, um, you know, at this point, they're getting every bit of information. So it's like inspecting every grain of sand in the desert. And so how far do we have to go? Because we know... um, First of all, just common sense, but there's so much data that has been collected by um, multiple. There's people from from uh, across the country that have have brought this data together and shown that the election was stolen. So um, the anomalies tell the story, and uh, it's really up the, to the American people to get in touch with their representatives and saying, "Wait a minute, we can see that the vote was stolen. Who are Stacey Abrams' happy face people?" Um, it was great that Bill Ayers moved down before the election and into Georgia. And um, you're pretty much, if you understand his book, Prairie Fires, Bill Ayers' book, Prairie Fires, um, is Terry Turchie, the one-time deputy director of counterintelligence for the FBI. He's written several books explaining that this is what is taking place in America today. So the most important thing is You're not going to get anything done by just sitting there waiting to be told what to do. That's what they're doing in Shanghai. That's why they're now being starved. And that's why people are jumping out of their windows and they're taking their pets and I don't know if they're killing them or eating them or whatever. But uh, if you expect to have freedom, then I suggest you have to stand up for it. And it's time to get to um, your governors, your secretaries of state, uh, your attorney generals. And Mike Lindell has been making his rounds around the country for people to stand up and tell the truth, regardless of if they're being threatened or not. So the American people need to back him up and start making those calls as well. Now, if we have time, I'd love to address that question as well, because it was such a great question. Oh, yeah. yeah we... Okay, so there's a list out there called the 45... 45- Uh, goals of communism. Number 17 on that list is get control of the schools. Use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda. Soften the curriculum. Get control of teachers associations. Put the party line in textbooks. Now, Soviet defector Yuri Bezmenov also talked about this in a uh, video that's available out there. He's since passed on but he really warned America that it only takes a couple of generations for Marxism and communism to take hold in a society. And we're pretty far down that road. So for those of you who have kids, whether whenever they're age appropriate, whether that's middle school or high school, it's your judgment to make that decision, but to present an alternative to this Marxist indoctrination that's going on in our school systems and on the university campuses. There are a lot of videos and documentaries out there about the history of Joseph Stalin, what he did, um, how when he starved the Ukrainians and and his purges, what Mao did in China with with the um, great leap forward in the Cultural Revolution. And the Wall Street Journal actually once wrote that um, communism one in 100 years has killed 100 million people. And that's a lesson that has not been conveyed through the schools. So that's where I think parents can take the effort to present that 
important lesson in history so that the next generation that's coming up right now understands just how deadly the threat of communism is and that they understand that this is not just some, oh, let's all share the labor together and live in utopia on, you know, and, and kumbaya, Jonestown sort of utopia. No, this is, this is something, a lesson that needs to be presented. And I think parents are in a great position, especially if they're conservative, they understand how dangerous communism, perhaps they buy some books um, they share with their kids or show them some documentaries, but there's a lot of learning to be passed on. I, I couldn't agree more, Alan. Let me add to that. Um, parents have a responsibility. If you have open borders, you have no border. And right now with you know 67,000 pounds of fentanyl coming over our border, or I think it's 67,000 Americans dead this year from fentanyl, they are running an operation bringing these killer drugs into our country to kill um, our American families. This must stop. And so that's another thing that parents can get behind to demand that the borders are closed, to demand that this fentanyl, uh, that they stop running this into our country. Look at what just happened on spring break where, um, you know, six men from West Point, um, you know, idiotically bought some drugs, but the whole thing was laced with so much fentanyl that they um, they keeled over on the spot. This must stop. It is the poisoning of Americans and our country. Wow, that's just mind-blowing. Joby, you're up. Yes, I have another question. Um, uh, I, I watched a video on Maria Zach and wanted to know um, if you were aware of her and what your thoughts were. Mm-hmm. I do. All of a sudden, she's presenting information about um, China. Uh, that's interesting. And who she's in, in uh, bringing this to is interesting. I don't know. She's brought so much information forward that none of it checked out. So it's interesting that she's gone to that now and she's, seems to be embracing what we had presented. Um, it's odd and um, at best. And, um, uh, you know, she had come to get involved with us and uh, we weren't interested for based upon info that was put out there to us. Okay, because she talks about, um, I think, a Frenchman that has the databases for all of this. Yes. and She does, but it's interesting. You know, generals met with her for months and that gentleman, and they asked him for one single piece of data, and he never could provide any, nor could she. And so when you're getting uh, the men who are, you know, in the, in the front line of standing up for this country and someone's getting you to chase your tail for a couple of months, it becomes pretty clear what they're up to. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Do any other members have a question? If so, raise your hand and I'll call on you. And Derek Crosby is back too. Derek Crosby, do you have a question? Uh, no, I don't have that. I'm just um, listening. Okay. If no one else has a question, back to you, Mike. 
All right. I, I really want to thank you guys for coming on. I'm really honored and I appreciate you guys. You guys shed light on so many things and especially the last piece. Um, and it's just very important. And uh, I hope to have you guys back on again. What you're doing is so important, Mike, and thank you for doing it. It's so important that there's leaders like you in the country that are standing up. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you guys as well. You know, we're uh, we're God's army. This is God's movement. I agree. Soldiers of Christ. Absolutely. Spiritual warfare. Thank you, guys. And now I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording. And um, I hope everybody, you know, I would like to give you guys a last chance. Um, If any members, if you do have a question, if you press the middle button, we can see your hand raise, which is that blue button. But if you guys don't have a question. I have one. All right. Go ahead, Kelly. Hi. How are you guys? Wonderful chat. Thank you for all you're doing. And um, if I miss this, I was in and out with my kids, but I was listening mostly, especially to the questions and the responses. Do you think what what state do you think's next to get? Do you think we can get a state to certify? Basically, I mean, you know, I mean, we're all just wondering and beating around the bush. I mean, yeah, we need to get out there and do something, but half of it's like, what the hell do we do? You know. So do you think, I heard California, we hear Wisconsin, I know, I mean, where do you, what do you feel about that? Well, there's data in Wisconsin that proves that it was stolen. There's a lot of data in Pennsylvania there that, that proves the same. Uh, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, uh, Arizona, I mean, there's, there's so much data and we've covered quite a bit of it. And, um, uh, as have others, the amount of people that have come um, and and spent so much time going into this uh, information. So um, I I'm assuming that uh, let's see what happens. But I'm I'm thinking Pennsylvania or Georgia will be the first two that actually bring the forward bring forward the data. But it's it's not just having the data; it's getting someone inside that state government, the legislature or the governor or the uh, attorney general and the secretary of state, put the pressure on them. If you see that they're not going along, um, we had people that we're working with just in, you know, not the main states, but also um, uh, other states where they've proven that the election was stolen and they've had attorneys coming forward and working with them. And they're it's getting through that wall where they don't want to hear the information. And it's interesting where you're hearing people in government saying, if you say that this election is stolen, well, then you're a domestic terrorist. Oh, really? That's, you know, since when do people not have the right to um, voice an opinion? We still have the U.S. Constitution. And I'll tell you, we, yeah, we still have the U.S. Constitution right now. But if we, if we just sit there and think that someone else is going to take care of this, it's not going to happen. And you're going to find yourself in these, in another COVID lockdown and, uh, and this will continue until they've taken the country, and it's and, and and we will have truly gone into that long dark night. When you're looking at them working with the New World Order and the likes of Klaus Schwab 
and this um, Mr. Harari, who says that we, you know, we are, you know, transhumanism and uh, that uh, that they can make digital digitally put IDs into us and treat us like a herd. You know, that was the first time we really heard of that sort of a thing uh, under the Obama administration uh, with animal spirits. So likening the American people to a herd. I, I hope that people are understanding how dangerous this is. And, um, and, and two, if you've watched what's taken place with these vaccines and these experimental use authorization, the fact that they put these vaccines out, that they did it to our military, that they were hiding the data of all the damage. Now, remember what's come out. They wanted 75 years to hide the data with Pfizer then 55 years. Now that data, plus the military data, the DMED data, go look at the American report. Read the piece that we did on General Austin. And the, the we've had uh, Dr. Uh, Teresa Long and Dr. Lee Vallette and Todd Callender and, and Dr. Uh, Peter Chambers. These, these people are all lieutenant colonels beyond doctors. They brought this information before Senator Ron Johnson, and in a in a committee, they exposed the incredible amounts of damage and the blood clots. I mean, is anyone you know looking at what's happening, and the numbers of, the, of with the damage, and what these um, these shots are doing to people, and the um, data that Fauci presented, and then it turned out not to be true. And the mainstream media continues propagandizing to the American people. Read the true data, the DMED data that we have at the American Report. You'll see the picture of General Austin shaking hands with his counterpart in China. Read that data. It's breathtaking. I mean, this is a democide program. This is democide. Democide is a government killing its own people. Before it's too late. The American people must wake up and take back their country. Remember, um, our, our general saying, hey, they work for us. Watch the people who are running this country. Nancy Pelosi is a hardcore communist. She's been involved in this mess since she started working with um, the perestroika deception and Golitsyn exposing what with Gorbachev. We are looking at a group of people who are not on our side. Uh, this is exactly what Richard Grinnell said. This is Washington, D.C. against the American people. They're attempting to federalize our vote, federalize the police. And I'll tell you, this is very much what Bill Ayers laid out, how to destroy the country. So we're better than that. The American people are better than that. They are not going to let this happen. But they must stand up, they must get involved, and they must make themselves heard. No, and I agree. And um. I got to add in, I appreciate you bringing up about children. I'm a teacher in Florida and I have two little boys, a single mom. And um, for Aww. their age, they know a lot, especially my 11 year old. And um, you, you just nailed it, you know. And um, that's one thing I do. I contribute, you know, I spread the world word of what's going on. But so many people are asleep. It's so frustrating. You know, I bring up anything and everything it could be ukraine it could be what you're saying about the vaccines but it, i mean americans were getting frustrated but i don't shut up about it because i'm like if i don't spread the word 
then I'm not doing my job, you know? So you know, I Kelly, appreciate everything you're doing. I, I appreciate what all of our fellow Americans are doing, but Alan made a really good point. And those 45 points that were read on the floor of Congress in 1963, telling, remember those came over from a Soviet um, general and he brought over to tell us how they were going to dismantle us. And if you read those 45 points, break down the family, push gay marriage, um, read those 45 points and, uh, and, and get them printed off. Print them off and get them to your friends. Tell them to look at this and understand what's coming because it's almost complete. The only thing that they have not accomplished is the very final one, and that is the Conley Amendment, the rollback of the Conley Amendment. And what that is, is it takes away our courts and puts us in the courts of the United Nations. Very dangerous. Wow, that's scary. Carol, you're up. Hey, Mary. Um, hey, Alan. Um, first of all, thank you for everything you have done so far. So you were talking about the wall we got to break through in order to get election decertified. Um, I don't know about the other states, but I can state, speak for the state of Wisconsin. Um, we have Voss, who is definitely not going to uh, decertify. Um, I believe he's communist because he's not going to decertify, and he should. And we can make all the phone calls we want. I mean, I, I, you know, we can have what about every, a recall? We can have every single person in the in the state call boss and tell him that this is what we want him to do. Is not going to make him do it. Remember one thing that that Soros came into Wisconsin and he bought his way in, but so did Zuckerberg. Right. But again, if we don't have a legislature or a AG or, you know, somebody that can turn around and decertify this election, actually do it. Like I said, we can write all the emails, we can write all the letters, we can you know, it's kind of like applying for a job. I can apply for every job out there. I cannot make them hire me. I cannot make someone make that decision to do what's right. I can sit there and suggest and suggest and suggest and call them and call them and bug them and bug them and bug them. It's not going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So how do we make it happen? Well, the only thing I can think of off the top is, is there a recall process? Ooh, good question. I don't know. Why not bang the drum and start with a recall process? If he doesn't work for you and he's not doing what's right for the people of Wisconsin, then start a recall. If you're ticked off and you're watching this, imagine how many other people from your state are ticked off. Oh, yeah. I, I think if we did a recall on Voss, uh, we would probably have those signatures. We'll have the amount of signatures we need probably in a day or two. Then do it. You know, Michael Jordan used to say, just do it. Yeah, there is that quote. It says, 
you can walk them a thousand miles by taking your first step. So um, I think I'm going to look into that stuff. Good for you. Really good for you. Mike, let me know what I need to do on this side of the state for that because I'm all for it. And I yeah. will any way I can. Most definitely. I will look into that. And thank you, Mary, for uh, giving us that idea. And if we're out of questions, I'm not going to keep uh, Mary and Alan here all night. Um, I really appreciate your guys' time and I value it. And thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Let me know what happens with that recall, guys.